are raw and real mothers sharing our struggles, triumphs, and everything in between. We are all about being authentic and sharing who we are. None of us have it all together. We know how hard motherhood is. We also know how joyful motherhood is. We're here to grow with you. We're here to empower and support each other. As we share our hearts, we become stronger. Our stories bring us together. The mother heart is within every woman. Hi, welcome to our mother heart circle discussion. This is where we just gather together and talk about what's on our hearts. So the topic for tonight is going to be belonging, unity, attachment, and there's just so much of disharmony right now. So we wanted to talk about harmony, belonging. So we're just going to take um, 30 seconds and really ground to the present moment and ponder what that word means for you in your, your heart. And so go ahead and focus on your breathing, get in touch with your body with your surroundings and your heart. I just wanted to start out our discussion with a little bit of background about why this has uh, been on my heart a lot. Uh, just last night, actually, I listened to a lecture by someone who was an expert in attachment theory and how that applies to families. And he especially talks about how important it is. They've done a lot of studies on attachment for children but how that extends throughout our lifespan, that we need that attachment and connection with other people. And um, his focus especially was on children that, that, well, actually through the lifespan, for the past three generations, we've been culturized to believe that, that we need to attach to our peers, that that's super important. And so for the first time ever, people are attaching more to their peers than they are to their family, and that's not the way it was meant to be. Um, so, like grandparents prefer to be with other elderly people instead of with their grandchildren, and teenagers obviously prefer to be with other teenagers instead of their family. But even young children, um, and so that's just been stewing in my mind about attachment and how important it is and how it drives so many things. Because he found that when the family attachment is strong. Children don't feel the pull to addictive behaviors. They, they just aren't interested in it because they see it as a counterfeit because they have the real thing. And that attachment gives them a sense of who they are. And when they can develop a really strong sense of who they are, then they can go be in really difficult situations or, or out in the world or, or whatever with peers and still hold on to their own identity. and. Um, so in today's world, there's, I, in my own family, I see splits happening. Our family's close. I always thought my family is awesome. They're so close. We love each other, but I'm seeing these splits happening in my extended family between along political ideologies where half of the family isn't talking to the other half of the family, especially not about politics because it can get really ugly then. And I'm just seeing that 
um, division happening in so many different places. And so what I want to talk about is how do we find harmony? How do we hold on to each other, even when we don't agree, maybe with viewpoints on a variety of topics? And how do we find that belonging, that attachment, that connection that we all need? So, so what did this um, this professor last night talk about as far as like in your own uh, family? How do you create those long those attachments with your children, for example, and your and your spouse? You know, in your own nuclear family, did he have uh, some good suggestions? Well, he said that children need to know that they are seen and valued and and safe. And so he said in the beginning the most important thing is proximity, keeping your children close to you. And when they're close to you, letting them feel secure and safe and loved and, and noticed and heard and cared about so that, so that they feel like they want to give you their heart. He said, you cannot parent any child who you don't have the heart of. And he said, you'll know you have their heart when, you, when they start. Okay, so there's different stages he talked about. When they're just one year old, there's certain things that happen that you know that you have their heart. But when they become maybe seven, six, seven years old, they'll start to write love letters to you um, and these cute little cards about how much they love you. And at that age, they really feel it and mean it. And you know that you have their heart then. And you, that needs to continue, not just six or seven year olds, but all the way through adolescence. And he talked about how in today's society, adolescence is continuing into the 20s. So before it was about 15, but now it's continuing into the 20s. And as parents, we need to continue that attachment need for our children into the 20s. And so um, he said, you need to have a, what was his word? Um, connection, connection, I can't remember, belonging something along those lines that you, your children need to feel that. So like if you go to wake them up in the morning and you're like, it's time to wake up, get up right now. You got to hurry. He said, you're not going to get what you want because you haven't elicited that connection with them first. And so first thing in the morning, you're making sure that they know they belong to you. You belong to them. You've got their heart is dear to you. And, um, so even just this morning, I tried that with my kids and I, it just felt so much more peaceful instead of like, okay, come on, come on, come on. We got to go get up. You know, I went in and said, I'm so happy to see you. Are you, ha are you ready for a morning hug? You know, just something um, silly, but, so but. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm just blah, blah, blah. No, you're good. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that when we were doing the pondering on the word belonging, I wrote down a lot of the adjectives and verbs that you mentioned, I wrote down, to me, belonging is being seen, it's being understood, it's being known, it's being loved. And those were the words that came to me as I pondered the word belonging. Um, and then right now, right when you mentioned that our children know that their hearts are dear to us, that just reminded me of the word cherished. Like they need to know that we truly cherish who they are. Um, and imagine that if our children know that they're cherished, 
then they can grow up having that intrinsic value, knowing that that they are valued no matter what, unconditionally. And I think understanding and having that faith in who we are really does help our society and our earth to become a better, more wholesome place for them to live. So, yeah. Yeah, this guy said that when you do that, for your children you enable them to reach their fullest potential as human beings i love that that's interesting yeah earlier this evening we were talking about connection and how do we connect because you know i know i so i have a big family there's 11 kids in my family and we all love to talk over each other and we're not very good at listening to each other so um but we but we love getting together we love talking in fact, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a family get together and we'll have several tables so that everybody can, you know, have space to sit. And we all gather at one table. We squished at one table because we all want to be able to talk. And, <laughs> um, and so it's been great. I love it. But but there have been times because the group has gotten so big that I, I feel my find myself like wandering around and like I'll sit down and I'll start listening to a conversation, but I don't feel fully engaged. I don't feel like... I'm really part of the conversation. Even if I add a comment or two, it's not really my conversation, right? And then I go to another conversation. I kind of bounce from conversation to conversation um, and listen in or whatever. And I and I come away feeling like I didn't actually connect with anybody. You know, like I feel very unfulfilled, even though I was there the whole time. I talked, kind, you know, in, in some of the conversations. Um, and so... You're just talking about, well, so how do we connect? Like, what's the difference between that and actually, like, feeling like we've connected? And one thing that, that has helped me in that situation is making sure, rather than trying to, like, say hi to everyone and not really having a good conversation with anyone, making sure that I sit down with at least one person, maybe two, and actually have a conversation with them, like, my conversation. Does that make sense? And, like, really connect with them and ask questions and have them ask questions, you know, like really have a good conversation with one or two people, then I actually feel connected, you know, then I actually feel like I was seen, I was heard, I was there, rather than I just bounced around and I was a fly on the wall, but I wasn't actually, you know, there. Um, anyway, so we were talking about connection earlier and just talking about how one of the things that you can do is um, also help people feel safe, like they're in a safe spot. Um, so especially if they're having trials in their life, you know, making sure that they feel like um, it doesn't matter what I say or how I feel or what I look like or whatever, I'm always going to be accepted. I'm always going to be loved. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to, you know, like try and, and look or appear a certain way. No matter what, I say something stupid or whatever that I'm going to be accepted and loved and seen all of the wonderful things of who I am um, and not have that one thing be like, oh, you're blacklisted, you know, sorry, you're kicked out, right? And so I think that when we can create that, at least around ourselves, like I can be a safe place for my sister. I can be a safe place for my brother or my, you know, nephew or my child or my spouse or whatever. And I can see them for who they are, the, the amazing wonderful uh person that they are and even if they have these flaws or faults or whatever or they 
do something silly, you know, I love them no matter what. And I, and I uh, am a safe place and I won't make fun of them. I'm not going to lecture them or, you know, um, tease them in a mean way or whatever. Then I feel like that, then they'll feel willing to open up to us too. And we'll feel connected. Both of us will feel connected. Anyway, those are my thoughts on connection. But, uh, yeah, well, he, he talked about that a, a lot and how um, peers are superficial relationships. They're they're going to be way more superficial, and so it's the counterfeit for connection. And social media, especially, is superficial. You can't you can't have what you're talking about there. But it doesn't really happen there. Peers and and social media, and so how important it is to have that connection in other places, like what you're talking about. That's really cool. Yeah. I remember um, my dad, he was telling me about uh, his aunt, Libby. And I, he says my middle name is from her name, which is my middle name is Liba. And she was, she was known as Aunt Libby, L-I-E-B-E, which happens to mean love in German. Anyways, he, he was talking about his aunt Libby. And he said, whenever you were the one she was talking to in the room, you were the most important individual at that moment in the room like he said that's how she made every single person feel so i just think about that with our our bonds to one another with belonging and attachment is when we're speaking with someone we can perhaps do that is that conversation is the most important thing at that moment so and that and that person yeah i was thinking the same thing on the words that's like give give from your heart just give that person that you're with everything give them all of you don't hold back like i love that with them and give your whole heart and you know it's scary to do that you gotta be vulnerable and open and like willing and trusting almost but um i think the payback is worth it i love that children and your spouse and just Give them all of you. <laughs> well, you know, and I think I think the one thing that the trap that I fall into a lot of times, especially with my children, is that, you know, I'm busy. I'm trying to get things done. I'm, I've got my schedule that I'm working on. And, oh, we have to leave in however many minutes, you know. And so it's really hard when a little one comes up mom I can't find my Barbie you know or whatever and you're like it's a Barbie who cares you know <laughs> gotta go we're gonna be late or whatever and just stop and realize this is something that's important to her and I need to stop she is more important than getting things done you know this conversation and you never know when those conversations are going to make a huge impact for negative or positive right and so it's better to just okay you are more important than me getting the dishes done. The dishes can wait, whatever, you know, I can stop for a minute and look at you or, or even like, Oh, I'm talking with, you know, these adults and they're really cool and fun and I'm excited to be with them. I haven't been with them for a while. And my, my little one, this is so hard for me because I'm very social and I'm, you know, love to talk to like either my siblings or to my friends or whatever, but to pause and say, Oh, my children are also important to me and I can, I can pause them for a minute and my children deserve that respect for me to have to stop and listen to them and help them and 
even if it's inconvenient for me to like have to leave the room or the conversation or whatever fun thing, you know, so that I can help them. That's so important. And it shows my love for them because I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, my convenience or my time or whatever that I'm trying to get done. And that's something that I definitely need to work on, <laughs> but I can see how powerful it can be for your loved ones. So. Yeah, he talked also about how um, children, you want to make sure your children want to be good for you. And, and um, you do that by what you just talked about, Janessa, by making sure they know that you care about them and that they're super important in your life and not just children but probably everybody because yeah earlier we were talking and kylie was saying i have to put my phone on the side of the desk for this long and i only use my phone in the morning until we're done with school and i just thought that is a huge lesson for her children they know that they are more valuable to her than the phone and I just wonder sometimes how, if my children probably think my phone's more important to me than their needs, than the attention that they need. So I would love to try to do that same method as what Kylie's doing right now and apply that into my life so that they know they are my treasures. And yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that where they're like, you know, I don't want my kids to see me on my phone. I want them to see me and that, you know, and that I show them that I see them and that they're the most important things to me. So I'm going to put away my phone until I'm by myself, you know, the the few times that I have time to myself um, so that they see me. I'm not on my phone. I'm I'm present. I'm right there and I'm spending time with them and, and showing them that they're more important than yeah, whatever it is on my phone. Yeah. I'll be scrolling through Facebook with this chubby little cute baby on my lap. And I'm like, what am I doing? These people, I don't even, like, why am I more interested in their life than looking in my baby's eyes and, like, kissing her chubby cheeks and rolling <laughs> over and playing with her, like, like, put that stupid phone down. She is way more exciting than anything I can find on Facebook. And she's just been a great reminder lately. Of you know, she's developing all those connective pathways in her brain by looking into my eyes. Yeah, your baby too. Mm -hmm. I just want to make that connection with her. Yeah, it's awesome. But well, one thing I was thinking too is like, like you were saying, you know, it's. I think it's it's easier to like think of. Oh, I need to make sure I connect with my husband, with my children. You know, but like I think with your brothers and your sisters and your other family members that are grown up like to keep those relationships and your parents uh, you know I think it's even harder because now you don't live in the same house maybe you don't even live in the same state you you have tons of things going on um, and so it's harder to stay connected with them but I think you know that's where so many um, wonderful connections can can be made and wonderful experiences um is by keeping in touch with your your family your grown-up family you know and uh and it's it takes a lot more effort to do that um i want to hear more about this lessons how people are, our kids are staying into adolescence into their 20s though 
Tell us more about that. <laughs> she didn't really tell much detail about that, but I've heard about it. That's one reason why um, they changed insurance laws to cover children. And, like you can, my children can stay on my insurance until they're 26 because Whoa. it's just taking longer for people to get independent. Just the nature of our society, all the school that we have to do and everything else. But mm. yeah. Shirley, I'm curious about your thoughts. Mine were actually more along the lines of how to interact with people who may be your friends or family or otherwise that disagree with you because that seems to be the energy um, lately <laughs> in the last year of, of divisiveness. And, and yeah, we're, we're like, okay, that's happening outside of my home. Not, you know, maybe, maybe we're thinking that like, oh, it's out there. But like you were saying, you've just seen it happen in your own extent, in your family of origin. And so like, let's not be surprised. Let's not be shocked that it could enter into our most, you know, precious relationships. Um, and like in our marriages or with our children or whatever. So yeah, maybe, is that okay if we talk about that just a teeny bit? So yeah. yeah so, okay. So I was just thinking about like, okay, well, so my husband and I have had to practice this um, the last five or six years as we have um, realized that we disagree on several things, um, kind of key things, key, key beliefs. And so we've been able to practice having healthy debates and healthy conversations where each person can speak and each person can be heard. So, um, so yeah, I think it's an important skill that we practice assertiveness. And that's what that means is to like respectfully listen as well as speaking. So everybody has a turn to say what they think and feel. Um, so I'm just like, where, so where is it going wrong? Like, why does, why, why do we feel like everybody has to agree with us? Yeah, surely I often have, like, I look at the politics going on and I look at Facebook and I look at the riots and I look at all of that. And I'm like, it's like toddlers throwing tantrums and they don't have the ability to stop. Like they didn't learn that. Um, what's it called when you finally grow into that stage and you can have self-discipline and self-control? And it's as if these mm -hmm. adults never had the opportunity to practice this, to respect other people's beliefs, to respect other people's wishes, their property. And it's just mind-boggling and shocking that these adults have been raised here in America and they're acting like they're throwing tantrums like as if they're a toddler. So right. when you well, asked that question, that's what came to my mind was that picture of a toddler not being able to have the self-control to see the big picture, to see what's going on. They only see what they want. And if they don't get what they want, they they cry and cry and cry until they pass out almost. Yeah. Well, um, you know, what were you going to say? I thought, in my family, it's um, it's not. These are people who are very self-disciplined, who are normally very understanding and accepting of different view viewpoints. So I feel like this is something new, and I 
I'm not exactly sure yeah. what's causing it or how to fix it. That's I would love to figure that out. So maybe Shirley, you have some ideas of what helped you through that challenge. Um, I think actually being grounded in my own beliefs was super important. So when, when you were talking about belonging and attachment and harmony, I was like, well, that begins with myself and with God first before I go out. That's like the first circle, right? <laughs> it's like with yourself and with God, knowing yourself, knowing where you stand, knowing that you belong to yourself <laughs> and then moving out from there. Um, so I feel like if you're solid in knowing who you are and your beliefs, then when you are with somebody who has differing beliefs, you can hold space for them as well as for yourself. <laughs> that's, that's the ideal, right? Like, <laughs> but it's like, why do I feel so threatened when I'm with somebody who has a differing belief? What is going on there psychologically? Do they think I have to agree with them in order for me to be a, you know, have a relationship with them? Um, or can, can we have a relationship aside from the things that we disagree with? So I don't know. I just, I think it's important that we like, at least ask ourselves those questions. Like, why is this happening? What is going on? And can we like be at least conscious of it rather than being like reactive, like kind of in a subconscious passive state, <laughs> you know? Something is good for me because I also have different viewpoints in my home. Um, is there's certain conversations? My goal in my home is unity and love. That is how I want to organize my room. That's how I want my furniture to be. That's how, like, I want everything to resemble that, like unity and love. What is going to bring unity and love into my home? And so certain conversations are just not going to happen. Like they're not invited. They're not accepted. <laughs> they just don't happen. Like I'm like, if I want to continue to have unity and love with you, we cannot talk about this specific thing because I don't want to um, hurt our relationship. I don't know if that's good in your guys' minds or not, but that works for me because it does mean like, we don't talk about, there's lots of things we can talk about. But I don't think we should talk about this because it might divide us more than bring us together. And I feel like there's an adversarial pull to divide everything. Yes, yes. And I believe it's the adversary, and I just don't want to give into that. And I don't want him to have any space or room in my home to get further than he thinks he already can. And so it's like, sorry, we're not talking about this because our, our yeah. goal is unity and love. So, yeah. So, Rachel. Right. Oh, can I add one thing to that, Kylie? And then... <laughs> One thing is just prayer. Like I was in a bit big disagreement with my husband just a couple days ago and he stormed out of the room and I was just in tears and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to say a prayer. And cause sometimes disagreements seem so complex. So it's too complicated to even resolve. Um, but it's like, well, God knows, you know? And so just even just a simple, simple prayer, just, it's so easy to do. Why do we forget, you know, sometimes that that can pretty much, yeah, bring the spirit in and cast Satan out just by saying a prayer, <laughs> you know, that, that temptation to be div divisive and angry. So go yeah, ahead. I like, I like what you were saying, Rachel, oh. like sometimes it's, it's okay to, to agree to disagree, right? Like, yeah. 
it's okay. We know that we already we disagree no. on this, and that's okay, and that's fine. And we so we don't have to talk about it. We can just agree to disagree and move on to things that we do agree about. You know, like so. Anyway. Like focusing on the things we do agree about, like bringing more of that into our families. Like we may not have the same religious beliefs or the same way of seeing things, but there are things that unify us, and we maybe could focus more on what are those. Things. Yes, yeah, love that. Another thing, since Kylie's not on yet, um, that I wanted to mention was <laughs> with my husband and I. Oh, now here she is. One second, and then it'll be your turn. Um, that I noticed with my husband and I is the thing that helps us is when I feel heard. Um, then I'm more willing to listen to what he has to say, and when he feels heard, then he's more willing to listen to what I have to say when we disagree, and so. The hardest part, though, is to be the one to say, I'm going to wait and I'm going to listen to you first. You first. Rather than it's my turn to talk, I'm going to tell you my thing first. Because that's what happens is that both of us try and say, well, you have to listen to me first, right? To be the one that says, you know what? You go first. Tell me. And then after you've listened, you help them know that you really listened and that you understand by saying, Okay, so what you're saying is da 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 da, and you repeat what they said, at you know, so that they know that you heard, that you understood, you know, and that's without twisting it, because sometimes I like to twist things and be like, oh yeah, well that just means that you're, you know, you're yes. saying you're whatever, right? Not twisting it, just like really understanding. Oh, that's that's so this is what you're what you're saying, right? Okay, so that they know I've heard, I listened. So now I can go on and say, okay, well, this is how my my opinion differs and what I'm trying to say, right? And and if you miss one of those two steps, <laughs> then it doesn't go because there's been plenty of times when I felt like, oh, I listened, and now I'm going to show you, tell you what I uh, what I think, and uh, he and he still doesn't feel like I've actually heard and and understood him. And so I think those two things can help when there is division. Um, is to be the one uh, to say, I want to hear and understand your point of view first. And then, you know, make sure I really understand it completely. And then you're open to listen to what I have to say and what I think. And then, you know, in the in the third step, if we disagree, it's okay. It is okay to disagree. We do not have to disagree or we don't have to agree. Um, one of the things that also that uh, another... Uh oh, I'm gonna. Uh, battery's almost dead. But anyway, I was gonna say, when somebody's feeling passionate, I love it that there are so many people that are so passionate about what's going on. I love that people are engaged, they're thinking about it, that they're wanting change, or you know, that they want so badly that they're willing to go out, fly out to Washington D.C. They're go, they're willing to go out and, and participate in in. Um, you know, to help try and make change, right? Um, and so I think that's great, especially when you feel like you were in a situation where one of your loved ones was hurt by this, uh, or you yourself was hurt by a situation and you are not feeling heard, then, you know, and so I can understand why, for example, the Black Lives Matter, why people were so angry and, you know, felt like they were not being heard. And so they were trying to lash out because they weren't being heard. 
So I can understand that. I was, because I was kind of on the side like, well, why are they, you know, um, destroying things? But if, if my friend or family member had been killed by, you know, someone who was uh, racist or, you know, biased in some way, then yeah, I'd be really angry about that. And and if I wasn't feeling heard in the normal channels, then you know maybe I would lash out in another way. Um, and same thing with with politics. Like if I felt like um, I was be somebody was being unjust, or the government, or whoever, and you know, and I was being hurt by that, then I would I would be angry, especially if no one I felt no one was listening to me. So I think that in our in our country, if we can hear each other. If we hear each other and listen and try and understand, I think that will help with the unity. I think that will help us heal and come back together and realize, hey, we want, you know, we want freedom and we want prosperity and we want peace and we want to um, make change in, in whatever it is and feel at least understood. And, and then if we disagree, okay, we can agree to disagree, but I can understand where you're coming from. Does that make sense? Um, so I think that that's the big thing is just hearing hearing them and and helping them understand that we know what they're saying. We, we listen to them, we hear, hear them, and then it's okay to disagree if <laughs> we do, you know. So there are, for anyone who is listening to a general conference, um, there's actually a few talks that cover this exact um, same topic that I have really loved reading multiple times and listening to multiple times. Sorry, my baby's making a lot of grunting noises, so um, you just have to <laughs> have to hear that her cute little noises. Um, but I wanted to read one of the. This is by um, Elder Quentin L. Cook of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And he has a talk called Hearts Knit in Righteousness and Unity. And he says right at the very beginning, righteousness and unity are profoundly significant. When people love God with all their hearts and righteously strive to become like him, there is less strife and contention in this society. There is more unity. I love it. Anyway, so then he goes on and he talks very specifically about unity and about righteousness and how those two things when paired together. Um, you know, create, they kind of cause the contention to dissipate. So then there's one more talk and it's by President Dallin H. Oaks, the first counselor in the first presidency. And his is called Love Your Enemies. And um, he, he quotes the, let me just point. Um, let's see, he, he quotes the scripture about um, the greatest commandment is to love God. Um, and um, love your neighbors, but he also challenges us to love our enemies. And though not easy, he promises us that it is possible as we strive to do so and, and pray for that and how important it is for us to um, to love and our enemies. And I feel like those two things um, um, are, are key to not having contention and anger there's a scripture that I used to like think about all the time in college when I had all these roommates with all these different like beliefs and views on how to live life and how to manage a, you know, a home. And we're all in this one place. Um, and 
it, it's a scripture that basically said, and the people of the land um, had they had no contention in the land because of the love which did dwell in their hearts. And when we can really focus on love, loving others, um, the the contention dissipates. And I mean, maybe this is an awkward place to share this, but I I have been really pondering this, and with all of the chaos and corruption and hatred and anger that's been going on. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one whose heart has has been grieved because of this, who's felt saddened. And I testify that one person makes a difference. And that as we all um, anchor to our love for our Savior and our love for one another and demonstrate um, that example of love to others, it will influence those around us and cause a trickle effect. And um, not only that, but as we live up to our moral good morals and good values, um, we will we will be safeguarding our society, our nation, and our world. And um, I loved how in, in one of the talks that I mentioned, I, I don't remember which one it was, but he talked about people of different faiths and different religions. And... Um, and we don't have to have the exact same faith to know what goodness is and to be able to live and, and abide by good and true principles. Um, and as members of the church of Jesus Christ, he mentioned that like we know who the source of that goodness is. And we know that that's Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. But even if someone doesn't believe in, in God or doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, they can still up, live up to those same values and create the same positive trickle effect. And so it's not about having the exact same beliefs. It's about living living good lives and and holding on to those morals and values that, you know, 200 years ago, everyone in society lived up to those standards. And we're slowly watch, watching a lot of those standards um, just kind of fall away. And so I think those two things, like to love, and I and to like not be afraid to like value our standards and to um, to live to live good and moral lives um, will will cause an upward effect in our society and and I think cause the contention to decrease and the love and the unity to increase and I'm I'm being really long winded I wanted to say one more thing Tanya when you were sharing about that video I actually did, I watched that video. And that was really interesting. And I couldn't help but think about how many people and how often do we in, go about just, you know, wanting to wear the right clothes or have the right features or the right makeup or the nice home or our youth, like say the right thing and talk the right way or have the right voice. And it's a false love. And I think one of the, what true love is, is looking at someone and recognizing them for exactly who they are and even looking at what our world and our society says is a flaw, is wrong, is unattractive, is something not worthy of attention or not worthy of friendship or not worthy of listening to whatever um, someone's uniqueness um, and looking at it in, in and valuing that because when we're valuing those unique things, we're allowing, I feel like we're allowing each other's hearts to heal. We're allowing 
um, one another to truly be who we are. And I feel like we live in this society where we're so, we're kind of all a little broken and we all feel like we have to just like morph and wear all these masks and, um, and be people we don't, we aren't really. And that causes depression and it causes anxiety and it causes the loneliness and disconnection. And the more we can look at someone in the eyes and say, and, and let them know, like, I appreciate you for who you are, no matter how many quirks you have, no matter how odd or awkward other people say you are, I love and appreciate you. And I accept you for exactly the person who you are, no matter what you believe, you know, like no matter what your hobbies or interests or passions are. Um, and, and that's, that's to me a, a, a huge part of love. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Thank you, Kylie. That was really beautiful. I think that sums it up. That just love is the bottom line. And the more that we can love ourselves and love others and share that love authentically, the less contention there will be, I think. Um, I, I think that the opposite, I feel like what is happening along the lines of what Ana Maria was saying is we're being stirred up to anger because when I get into those contention places, that's what I feel, just anger, like, not even necessarily anger toward the people I'm talking with, just anger about whatever my issue is that I'm feeling passionately about that they may not see. I feel like if you don't see this, we're in serious trouble. You've got to see this or whatever. And I think they feel the same thing. And I think the opposite to anger is love. The opposite to fear, I think, is also love. That love is the, the way out. And so... Yeah. And I was just thinking Tanya that with like what Rachel was saying that is Satan's tactic that's his tool he wants to divide us and he'll do all he can so that we feel that fear so that we feel that anger um and so I guess what what you've all been saying is we need to bring that love into our home we need to bring that love into um our country and it's there we just have to remember it and we have to show it. So. so what came to me real quick, I know we're getting long-winded and lots of things, but so when I went to church this Sunday or when I was watching church on TV, on this phone actually, um, I just really have been impressed with gathering, like how important it is for us to gather, gather, gather in our homes, in our in our community with and I just felt so much gratitude for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I know a lot of people have not had the same experience of feeling loved and welcomed there, but I am feeling intense gratitude to know that I belong to an organization where I feel supported, loved. Um, people have my best interest at heart that during troubling times, like they're going to be there for me. It is a safety that I feel, and I am grateful for belonging to an organization that supports that we support each other and that we support the communities we live in and we support the world that we live in and I really feel like it's going to be a community and a place where people are going to gather to fill those feelings of safety and unity and belonging and I just feel so blessed to be part of that thank you Rachel that's beautiful Shirley and Janessa, would you like to share final thoughts too? And then we'll wrap this up. 
Go ahead, Shirley. Uh, I didn't have any other thoughts. <laughs> Shirley, you have so much wisdom. I feel like you just, <laughs> let's just tap into that more. <laughs> yeah, I was reading over Oaks' talk too about loving your enemies. And I think if you can't love them, just pray for them. Like do that. Like if you can't feel it in your heart, just start. Okay. Heavenly Father, love that person. Help that person. If there's something they need to change and grow towards, help them do that. If there's something about me, right, that's, that's you know, out of line or whatever, out of love, <laughs> away from love, like, let's work on that. Help me change. Maybe I'm the problem or whatever it is, you know. So, yeah, just I've been thinking about that a lot lately. So, yeah, like, if you can't start with love, then just pray. Pray for that person. So. That's my that closing awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I agree. I just was thinking about a book that I read uh, a, a long time ago. It's probably about two years ago, and I can't remember the name of it, so I'll have to let you know so we can link it below. But it was a, uh, an Arab and an, uh, a Jew who became friends. They were both, you know, from like opposing sides. You know, the war that's been going on between them for so long. Uh, and they became friends and then they created this program but they to help youth who were warring with their parents basically or with others and destroying their life because of it and uh and they just talked a lot about how we have to start with our own hearts first when we're warring in our hearts with other people even if we don't express it outwardly in any way other people can feel it and they're going to react to that war within our hearts in a warring manner, if that makes sense. And so as soon as we can become at peace with ourselves and with others in our hearts, we're not going to um, we're not going to continue waging war, so to speak, with those people around us. And they're not going to feel attacked. Even if we don't attack them, they will feel it if we are warring in our hearts against them. And so it all starts with us. It starts with me. I need to be at peace with me. I need to be at peace with God. And when I can do that, then I can be at peace with others around me, whether or not we agree, whether we have different religions, whether we have different political beliefs or, you know, we're passionate about something and we want it to move forward and someone is opposing us, we can still be at peace with uh, ourselves and those around us. And so, you know, I think that that's where we start is with ourselves and uh you know loving ourselves being at peace with ourselves and then we can be at peace with those around us and our worlds can be at peace so thank you janessa and i just have to say you ladies are a great example of making people feel like they belong and also or i'll just speak personally you make me feel like i belong and you make me feel like I am safe with you to say stuff that I probably know you don't agree with and you're not going to judge me on it and you're not going to shun me for it or fight with me about it. And I really appreciate that. I think that because of people like you, our future is, is bright and really good and there's hope. So thank you for that. And thank you all for listening. We are busy, busy gathering the wisdom of women. So please add your wisdom um, to our Mother Heart Facebook, Mother Heart Circle Facebook group and 
comment down below on our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining our Mother Heart Circle. Please send us your thoughts, inspiration, experiences, and stories. Your voice is important. Your wisdom and your hearts are needed. We believe in you, we love you, and thank you for being you.